Truthfully, I am still ill-equipped and suffering for the sake of Christ. What backlash I face in loss of relationships, hostile comments, name-calling, and conversations avoided, though welcomed, is minuscule compared to true persecution and the loss of one's life to gain Christ. I am concerned for others who are ill-equipped for true persecution and have believed that suffering is beneath them or absent in the life of a Christian. Suffering comes to us all, no matter what we believe. It is the nature of a fallen world. But suffering for the sake of Christ is honorable. I encourage you today, dear Christian, to search the scriptures if you have not already and to understand what is said about suffering. The word says more about the certainty of suffering than you might want to hear, but you and I need to hear it. Do not wear your cross as if meant to complement your ensemble. Bear your cross and follow him. There is peace and suffering which can only come from our faith and hope in Christ, the suffering servant. You just heard an excerpt from my latest blog post featured on Love Subscribe. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Subscribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Subscribe. notice that when I do podcasts and uh, blog posts and such, there's a trend. And I'm sure that I fall into the same category as that trend. So I don't mean this to be condemning any way or um, be an accusational towards anyone or any, any particular group. It's just a general observation that I could even make for myself. When anyone writes or does a podcast or anything that's related to a subject that's not something that you really want to talk about a whole lot or you try to avoid it because you don't want to think about it. It's not something that excites you. It's not something that you could spend hours upon hours upon hours talking about or that it seems that like juicy stuff to talk about. Suffering falls into that category. And I've noticed that along the lines of understanding what the, the Bible truly tells us about certain aspects rather than trying to put a spin on it, that is appealing or exciting for us and is supernatural in some way or is mystical, a lot of people don't want to read that or they pass it up or going after someone attacking someone else, which is not the case at all, as opposed to when things are written about like the supernatural, about prophecy or the prophetic ministry or going after you know demons and things like that then even us as Christians we tend our ears tend to perk up our senses get on overload and we immediately want to run and look at those things or if someone's name is being mentioned that they've been in some sort of moral failure or any anything sinful behavior then we immediately we will click on those things right we'll click and open those things because our curiosity gets the better of us and those things appear to us because they appeal to our emotions and our senses and we can really find ourselves getting at a lot of conversations about those things and there's some good conversations we can get into there's things that we can learn from those but at the same time we tend to shy away myself included we tend to shy away from topics such as suffering because it's just not something that's fun to talk about I don't know of anybody that enjoys suffering nobody wants to suffer including myself I don't want to suffer I don't want to suffer in any way. I don't want to be in any pain. I don't want to suffer any loss. I don't want to go through any hardships or difficulties. And none of us do. If we could go through this life, even as a Christian, if we could never face persecution and even living as a human being in this world, if we could go through this world and never face any death, any sickness, any loss, any sort of heartache, anything that is painful or causes us to suffer in any way, we would do it. But we don't want to talk about that a whole lot. 
lot. And it's okay because I understand that we don't want to talk about that and I don't enjoy talking about it either because it opens up, I know for myself, it opens up a vulnerability that is very uncomfortable. It is it is not familiar territory. But the more that I open up and realize, the more I open up to others in, in understanding the importance and acknowledging suffering happening, whether for the sake of Christ or in our personal lives, aside from for the sake of Christ. The way I look at it is, is that there's two different ways that we are suffering. There's one as Christian, if we're a born-again believer in Christ, we will suffer for the sake of the gospel. True born-again believers, even Paul told this to Timothy, that those that wish to live a godly life will face persecution. They will suffer persecution. And so we have to realize this as believers in Christ. When I started writing this blog post last week about suffering despised, the cross accessorized, I began to think about in my own life, selfishly enough, and I was thinking about when I wear a cross on my neck, you know, how easy that is to wear it. But am I truly bearing the cross and following Christ in laying down, counting the cost and laying things down to follow after him? And am I willing to give my life for the sake of Christ? Would I be willing to give up my life and to not deny Christ? Would I be willing to lay my comforts down? Would I be willing to lay those things aside, to lay pride aside and, and all those, just everything that would involve that, involve self, to lay those things aside in essence, to follow Christ, whatever the cost is, so be it, because to follow him and to know him is the gain. And to count those other things like Paul talked about as rubbish, like they were dung is what the Greek word actually means for that in Philippians 3, that all the things that are gain that we count them as rubbish, that we just, we count them as worthless, that they, they have no worth to us compared to knowing Christ. And the power of his resurrection is Paul, was what Paul talked about, the power of resurrection, understanding the promise of eternal life. That is the prize that we look towards, is, is our faith is in upon this promise that we are given eternal life through Christ, that no matter what we face in this earth, no matter how dark it gets with evil, no matter how, how heavy it may seem with the, the, the trial of this life, the difficulties, that we can still have hope and faith in Christ. So I was actually reflecting on my own life when I was thinking about this post, and it was not geared towards anyone else outside of that except for in a way to think, well, maybe this would be good for all of us to think about this as believers. And the reason why, another reason why I wrote this post too was because when I was thinking along the lines of that, a lot of us as believers, if we were truthful and honest about it, we don't, we hate suffering. We despise it. We truly, we don't, we don't like it. We don't live for it. We don't welcome it. We don't want to talk about it. And it's not something that we look forward to. And another thing that was mixed into all this as well was a while back, I had read a book by Elizabeth Elliot. And if you ever read anything by her, she talks a lot about suffering because that woman suffered through her life as far as she lost two husbands. The first has her first husband was Jim Elliot, who was a missionary that was killed by a tribe of people. And they were fairly newly married, if I'm remembering correctly. And so she was a young widow. And then she remarried later in her life. And then her second husband battled through cancer and died. And so this woman suffered in that capacity of recognizing that yes, we are going to go things through through our life. And then he, she also wrote about in this book that, that her husband, Jim Elliott, had written in one of his journals prior to his death that uh, when referencing Romans 8, 6, 17, which says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. And in also talking about 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, in that same passage, it also talks about if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And she mentions in this book that her husband, Jim, had written in his journal that he had not suffered much so he would not reign or he would he had not suffered so he would not reign with Christ and it, I think it was shortly after that that he actually did suffer and she talks about that some of the locals that she talked to there because she actually went to the area where he was killed and she stayed there for a number of years ministering to the the very people there the inhabitants that killed her husband and ministered the gospel to them she even talked to some of the locals there that had been eyewitnesses of what happened and they did testify to her that her husband suffered for hours prior to his death from what happened to him. You know, I I was thinking about all of this tied together and thinking about the call to to be a a disciple of Christ when Jesus tells his disciples, if if you'll take up your cross and you'll come after me, follow him. Counting the cost of that as well in the passages of scripture, talking about how we count the cost of taking up our cross and following after him, recognizing that there is death that takes place, that there is suffering that takes place. And it's a good reminder, too, when we think about it, that 11 of the 12 apostles were martyred for the sake of Christ. John was actually, he was tortured and suffered for the sake of Christ, but he was the only one that actually lived to uh, a natu- and died naturally. He was not martyred. Even Thomas, those of us that like to talk about doubting Thomas, Thomas was martyred in India for the sake of Christ. And and we see this example, like I said, and we even see in, in the first century church, we see how there were Christians that were brutally murdered under Roman rule that were persecuted horrifically that we cannot even fathom. There's things that happened to some of those under Nero's rule I can't even mention on here because it is so grotesque to even talk about it. Some of the things that Christians endured because of, under his rule, because of, of how evil he was. But, you know, I think about us as Westerners and I think, honestly, and you may agree or disagree with me on this, but I don't believe that we are truly prepared to suffer persecution, to suffer for the sake of Christ. And I say that because there's a there's teachings even in the western culture they have bled over into other continents, but when we see in the western culture there is an avoidance of talking about suffering. And I know for myself when I the part of what I was uh, involved in for years, suffering was talked about very little, if any. And if it was talked about, then sadly, it was talked about in such a way that you shouldn't suffer. That if you have sickness in your body, and and I know that that's not suffering for the sake of Christ, but I want to talk, again, I want to talk about that in just a minute, because I think that we get disconnected from things like that of if someone's sick in their body, if someone is suffering financially, if their marriage is falling apart, if their children, if 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 their children are sick, or if there's something going on that's causing chaos and catastrophe and loss and grief and such in our lives, then we tend to look at those situations and we may or may not have these thoughts of, well, that person doesn't have enough faith. Well, there must be something wrong with them that that all this is happening to them because I don't ever have any calamity happen to me. Everything is great. What happens when you're faced with, with hardship and with calamity in your life or difficult situations and you believe that, but you haven't understood that even if you suffer in this world and Jesus promised that that was going to happen. Aside from suffering for the sake of Christ, he said, you will have difficulty. You will have trials in this world. 
you will have hardships in this world. But he also encouraged his disciples, which encourages us when we read scripture. It says, fear not, for I have overcome the world. We can read even in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, people suffering, dealing with death and sickness and loss and grief and trials and hardship and the things that don't look like victory in the life of a believer. And yet we see people that will glorify God through that. They will praise him. They will thank him. Even when, you know, there's days that they may not feel like being thankful, they will find some way to be thankful. They will look to Christ and say, you know, if I'm going through this, I trust in you regardless, and I'm going to praise you and honor you and glorify you in everything I do. And then some days that may go real well, and some days that may not go real well. But the point is, is that the, a believer in Christ is fixing their eyes on Jesus. They're fixing their eyes upward to Christ, and they're they're keeping their faith and hope in the the eternal promise of eternal life and realizing that the sufferings of this world are temporary. Uh, just like when Paul talked about in Second Corinthians chapter four seventeen. When he encouraged the Philippian church that their momentary affliction was preparing them for an eternal weight of glory. Like I said, mainly when we talk about suffering, when we're talking about suffering for the sake of Christ, which that's for the gospel, that's persecution. That's not necessarily the same thing as suffering in your body with sickness and disease. And and I know some, and I listen, I understand that there are people who are going to, they're going to say, you know, you shouldn't have to go through sickness in your body in this world. You shouldn't have to suffer lack financially. You shouldn't have all these things happen. You have to watch the power of your words. You have to do A, B, and C, and D, and E, and F, and G, and, you know, do all of these things and so that that doesn't happen. But none of us are able to guarantee that. Nobody on this earth can guarantee, nor did Jesus guarantee, that that's part of what we can say and have happened to us in this world. That's not a guarantee. What the guarantee is of the abundant life is eternal life. And when I think about having my best life now, if this is my best life now, then that doesn't say much for eternity. It doesn't say much for for the eternal life with Christ. If this is my best life now, then what do I have to look forward to with Christ? Well, you know, these are just little things that I think about. And and then if there is any pers- like quote persecution that's given, then the immediate wall is put up going, you know, touch not the anointed of God, or don't put your mouth on that person, or don't say anything. And you're going to be hard pressed to find that type of behavior in the New Testament with true believers in Christ that that was not that was not the behavior that you would find when correction needed to be brought to people that were not believers if they were saying falsehoods and things that were denigrating the gospel and such then those were addressed but you would not you'd be hard-pressed to find an apostle saying you know how dare you say anything to me you know so when we think about suffering if we truly look at our lives we can ask ourselves some honest questions and maybe say you know am i wearing a cross or am i bearing a cross because it's not the same thing and that even challenged me when i thought about it of going yeah, I can put on a cross or I could, you know, back in the day, years and years ago, people used to wear the bracelets of what would Jesus do? You know, you, you would we would bumper sticker ourselves or put little markers on ourselves. We do that even as believers to basically throw up a little sign in front of people saying, I'm a Christian. But that's not what makes you a Christian. Wearing a cross necklace like I do, that doesn't make me a Christian. And there's nothing wrong with wearing that cross necklace. But if I'm depending on that cross necklace to identify me as a Christian and as a believer in Christ, my focus is wrong because what identifies me as a believer in Christ is my faith in Jesus Christ. The gospel that I minister and tell others, it 
it identifies me as a true believer in Christ. If I'm ministering or I'm uh, sharing the gospel with someone that testifies of what scripture testifies of in spirit and truth, that is bearing testimony to whom I belong. And it's not that cross that's saving me, nor is it that cross that's identifying me as a believer in Christ. Because how many of you know that we can wear some sort of necklace like that around our neck, but that doesn't mean anything. You know, me sharing a few Bible verses on social media or saying them out loud, that's great. But am I a true believer in Christ? Am I acknowledging the true gospel when I'm talking to someone else? Is my life demonstrating, is it showing that it's bearing fruit with keeping with repentance? And that's not based on good works. So I want to make that clear. I'm not one of these people that believes in salvation plus works because that's not the gospel. At the same time, I recognize, having, having said that, I recognize that Ephesians 2.10 tells us that believers in Christ are created in God as his workmanship and we're made for good works. And the good works don't save us. But we do good works because we demonstrate to whom we belong. We're bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God and we're glorifying him in word and deed and we're wanting to serve him and to uh, exalt him. And part of that is in our everyday lives, whether it is truly suffering for the sake of Christ, which is, I would just say this, and I, I'm, you know, I'm preaching to myself as, as I say this comment, as I comment on this, but even on social media, there is a tendency, I know I can't speak for people in the Eastern part of the world, but the Western part of the world, we tend to make it a, a, it's a first world problem when we think that people are persecuting us on social media. If you can block somebody on social media, then you are not being persecuted. <laughs> uh, you're not being persecuted. If you can cut someone off and call them a hater and block them on social media, you're not being persecuted. Stephen, that's a great example. In, in the first century in Acts, we don't see anybody getting stoned today in the Western hemisphere for the, for the sake of Christ, meaning they're not, their life is not being taken from them by being physically stoned with rocks being pelted at their body and being killed for ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. I understand that we can have people that don't like what we're saying and they are making comments about that. But if you can block somebody on social media, that's not true persecution. And we have to get past that mindset. And I've actually made it a point, unless someone would actually threaten me or someone is using vile language and it's unreasonable, if it, if it was an extreme example, I have made it a point personally, I don't block people. I don't delete their comments and I allow them to comment on my page and I allow them to comment on my blog post because even though I may not agree with what they're saying, I still want to be respectful of what they're saying and to try to have a dialogue with them if possible. And sometimes I have to choose my battles. But if I believe that it's a, it's a dialogue worth having and tr or trying to address something that has been falsely addressed or misappropriated, then I will address it. And I want to be respectful when doing that. I want to do it in a gentle way. And I want to do it to where it's glorifying Christ. So although that we can look at it as, well, there's persecution on social media or things like that in our time and our age right now, that's not true persecution. And I know, you know, some people will disagree with me on that. And this is not a salvation issue. So if we disagree, it's okay. But I, I, from my perspective, even when people have said, 
said nasty stuff to me, I still don't look at it as, look how I'm being persecuted because I'm still alive. Those people have not threatened my life. You know, I mentioned a little bit ago about Romans 8, 16, 17, 2 Timothy 2, 12. In talking along these lines of suffering for the sake of Christ, it would benefit us to remember that when we read these passages of Scripture, in order to reign with Christ, in order to be co-heirs with Christ, as Romans 8, 16, 17 talks about, true co-heirs with Christ— suffer for the sake of Christ, that we don't despise suffering and we, you know, we don't enjoy it, but at the same time we recognize it for what it is when it's truly for the sake of Christ. When we're being persecuted for the gospel of Jesus Christ, then we're willing to take up our crosses and go after him, that we've counted the cost and we realize the cost is worth it because the prize, the reward is Christ. The reward is eternal life with him. The reward is that he paid the penalty for us and in return we get eternal life because he satisfied that wrath that was supposed to fall upon us as enemies of the cross, as enemies of God, as children of disobedience, as children of wrath. (laughs) The list goes on that we can look in Scripture and see that what we once were before Christ saved us and redeemed us and transformed us, giving us a new heart, making us co-heirs with Him so that we can be given eternal life. But suffering is part of the life of a Christian, whether anybody wants to admit that or not. Suffering for the sake of Christ is going to happen. And again, I know that I've, you know, I mentioned this already, but I'm just going to reiterate it. There are people that believe, and I used to believe this, if you're suffering with something in your body or your life or your home or your work or things, then your immediate thought is to go to, well, there must be something wrong that I'm doing. I need to go back and do this. I need to do that. And essentially it becomes works-based, not necessarily of repenting, but we talk about how in some of these movements of, you know, if I, if I do a sozo or if I go get inner healing done, or if I tithe more, or if I do these certain things, then this is going to win me favor with God. And that's not how that works at all. I mean, we can even see in reading in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, that when Jesus talks about the love of God the Father, he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So even wicked people that don't love God, don't acknowledge him, are going to experience blessings in this life as far as you know, rain for their crops if they're farmers, for example, in in that culture, in that time period in the Bible, or they're going to experience the sunsets and the and the sun shining and beating down on them, and they're going to have those things that they experience, and not because they're favorable from before God, it's because God is loving and He allows even His enemies to to enjoy those things, but still there will become a time of judgment. As believers in Christ, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favors. So us doing something is not going to make a situation less trying or less difficult on us. What makes it less difficult is our hope in Christ, our faith in Christ when we turn to him, when we're praying and we're uh, making our petitions known to him. And like Philippians 4 says, that when we make our petitions known, that after doing those things, that we've we've offered thanksgiving to God, that we rejoice in him, always remember that the Lord is at hand and that we're not anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, that we make our requests known to God. And then after that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's not in that we do things when we're in this moment of suffering, whether it is for the sake of the gospel, that for the sake of Christ and persecution and such, 
or if we're going through worldly suffering that we're going to face because of living in a fallen world. I mean, I, I know of things that have happened in in these types of um, in these belief systems where people won't even talk about when they're sick or if when they're struggling. And that could be because they may be just more private and not sharing those things. But there are also the the tendencies or the beliefs to not talk about those things uh, in fear that you're giving power to those things and not to address suffering because in such things as the prosperity gospel, you don't talk about suffering. That's just not part of being victorious or the abundant life when really the victory rests in Christ. I mean, he won the victory not us. He didn't, he, we, he won the victory and we get to reap the rewards from that victory in eternal life and reigning with him. But there's a condition to that. When you look in Romans eight and second Timothy two is that there is no way to reign as a co-heir with Christ or a child of God, unless we're willing to suffer for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And then when we, at the same time, when we are facing worldly suffering, whether it's in the form of sickness for a time or longer than what we would like, or if we're facing some sort of difficulty in our life, whatever that may be, then we ask God to give us grace during that time to be able to get through that difficulty and to trust him to seek him in all matters to seek wisdom to seek uh, to seek what his word says about things to be to thank him to glorify him in every season that we're in in every time that we're in whether it's good times whether they're easy or whether it's in trying times that we're reminded as believers that suffering is part of our portion and that we are to look to him as the example to follow for that. If we want to follow example that Christ set, then he set the example for suffering. We can even see this in scripture. I mean, for example, we can see that uh, the apostle Paul, he encouraged fellow believers in, uh, in Philippi that they had been granted not only to believe in Christ, but to suffer as Christ had suffered. He tells them that in Philippians chapter one, verse 29. And we've already talked about second Corinthians chapter four, verse 17, that he addresses their momentary affliction. We see Peter addressing this when he's talking to some of the fellow believers about their suffering. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, Peter addresses believers and he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now he's talking about believers that are being persecuted for the sake of Christ. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. But let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So we can see that in the New Testament, there are examples that we are given that we will suffer for the sake of Christ. We also know, too, as I've already mentioned, there is worldly suffering that we will go through, that we will face difficulty. But as believers, we have hope. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. And we have a Savior that we can turn to, that we have the the mediator that we can go to, the high priest who ever intercedes for us and his spirit strengthens us 
and he continues to upgird us and we can go to the word of God and be encouraged in in these things and the hardships when we face those and learn not to despise them. But to, if there's suffering that comes upon us, whatever shape it's in, whatever form it's, whatever it, it looks like in our lives, that we ask God, okay, God, help me to be able to glorify you in, in whatever's going on here and to be able to exalt you in this, to praise you, to thank you, to trust in you, to seek your counsel through your word, to seek wisdom and to trust you um, and, and to know that you are with me when I'm discouraged that that is the time that I trust you and I turn to you even more that in my discouragement I don't lean on my own understanding I'm not seeking out other ways to be comforted but I'm running to you first and foremost and I'm going to your word and I'm seeking you in prayer and I'm worshiping you and and exalting you I think a lot of times I know for myself too just from experience we can get so focused in on what we're going through that's negative in our mind and we don't see that even in 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 everything you know Romans talks about God works everything for all works all things for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose well all things include even the things that we don't think are good and that includes when we're suffering whether it's suffering for the gospel's sake or we're suffering because of living in a fallen world and we tend to focus and have tunnel vision on what's going on around us even if it takes every bit of Uh, strength in us to praise God and thank him. There is always a reason to thank God. There's never not a reason (laughs) to thank God in any circumstance. We can always look at our lives. I I was thinking about this the other day. There is a, a lady that I know of. I don't know her personally, but there's a lady I know of that I came across and, uh, that I saw in the American gospel movie, the first one, Catherine Berger. And I've, and I've watched how, um, you know, just from an outsider's perspective of seeing them sharing what's going on in their lives and watching her suffer and her talk about her faith. And even the things, you know, we tend to look at our own lives and we think, oh, this is horrible. I'm going through all this stuff right now. And, or I'm, you know, having all these difficulties that happen in, in these certain season, these certain moments in our lives. And then we can look at someone like Catherine, for example, and look at the physical suffering that she's gone through and her family family's gone through and and we look we can look at examples like that and then we go there's someone that's always suffering far worse than I am and I had to come to that realization too when I look at examples like that of other people that are suffering in their bodies or they're suffering halfway across the world there are people that have died for the gospel's sake they have given their lives they have watched their children be martyred and be killed because they would not deny Christ when you put that in perspective and you think about whether it's suffering for the sake of Christ or someone suffering in their body because of the world, the the fallenness of this world and the things that we face and struggle and that uh, nobody, whether Christian or unbeliever, is exempt from any amount of suffering. There's just no way around it. And anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you. And they do not believe the true God. They, they're ministering to you another gospel. When you look at things like that in perspective to your own life, I don't know about you, but I think about myself and I think, yeah, I have no, I have no concept of, I mean, there's suffering, yes, but for in my own life to a certain point, but there are other people that are always having to endure far worse than I could even comprehend or fathom. And then I'm brought to this point of uh, humility and thinking, God, thank you 
for this, this, and this. Thank you for allowing me to be, you know, in, in the country that I am. Thank you for allowing me to be able to get up every day and to be able to move and have energy and to be able to breathe and to be able to, you know, eat a meal, uh, eat a normal meal or you know, things that we take for granted. And, and I don't say that in a, in a way to make you my friend that's listening. I don't want you to be under condemnation. But I want you to think in your own life, if you're a believer in Christ and, and you're listening to this, then I want you to think in your own life, am I willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel? That's the first and foremost question at the end of all this. Am I willing to suffer for the gospel? Am I willing to count the cost? Am I willing to, lo- you know, if it came down to it, uh, I'm not telling you to quit your job and be a deadbeat. I'm not saying that. But if it came down to it and it, it cost you your job to be a Christian, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with losing your family like some people across halfway across the world do when they deny their uh, religion they've grown up in and they forsake that to, to not deny Christ? Would you be willing for your family to reject you in order to not deny Christ and to, to follow him, to take up your cross and follow him? Would you be willing to lay your life down? for the sake of the gospel. If it meant that the true gospel was you're not promised everything under the sun and all your hopes and desires and all your dreams and the the white picket fence with the two and a half children and uh, a, a, a husband or wife and the nice home and the nice cars and you know the American dream that's not the that's not the true gospel. Would you be willing to suffer for Christ because he suffered and scripture is clear in telling us that we as believers are going to suffer. If we are co-heirs with Christ, we are true children of God, we need to realize that is part of our inheritance is suffering in this world. And the reward is Christ. The reward is eternal life to be with him and to glorify him and exalt him because he is God. And then secondly, in worldly suffering, when you face things and you are going to face things, I am going to face things. All of us have already faced things in our lives. And by the grace of God, whether we are wicked and unknowing and not knowing God, or we were wicked and now we are children of God because of our saving faith in Christ, we are going to suffer in this life. We are going to have loss. We are going to mourn. We are going to grieve. We are going to be burdened with things. There, there's going to be things that happen to us that seem unfair. That, you know, we're and we're going to have wonderful moments where we celebrate and fellow believers celebrate with us. And then there's going to be times that we're mourning or that we're downcast and that we're going to have to be encouraged in the Word. And we're going to have we're going to have to be around people that are going to pray for us and and upgird us with that and to help encourage us in the Word and remind us what what God says in His Word. And to trust, to fix our gaze on Christ, to not get our eyes off of the Lord, but to fix our gaze on Him. Are you willing, if you face moments, if and when you face moments like that in your life and worldly suffering, are you willing to still glorify and praise God through that? And when you're complaining to be reminded of what the Word says, because we all complain, we all complain. We're, none of us are exempt from that either. Are you willing to remember that you have a reason to rejoice? That there are people that are suffering far worse than you are 
far worse than I am, and that we always have a, a reason to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what's going on. And so this is the whole point of the blog post, uh, suffering despised, the cross accessorized. If I encourage you in any ways, I encourage myself and, and correct myself as the Lord corrects me through the word of God is that we take up our crosses and we bear them and we follow him in order that he is glorified through our lives and that we follow the example that Christ said and that we don't despise suffering, that we count it all joy. Well, we count it all joy when we face trials in our lives and we don't think it's strange when we're when we are truly suffering for the sake of Christ because of the gospel, the true gospel being ministered, that we don't think it's something strange that's happening to us that we're going, I don't know why this is happening to me. When the word is plain in telling us that is it is to be expected to remind you too to be encouraged in the word of God. Always go back to the word of God to understand the nature of God in that and in, in his word and to also be encouraged encouraged in in what is being said in the word and to be strengthened in that and to pray and to offer up thanksgiving to God because he is so worthy of our praise and our glory no matter where we are in our lives and what's going on he is always worthy of praise and glory there's never a time that we shouldn't praise him and thank him for something that's going on in our lives and to not take those things for granted so be blessed today by this word. I hope it's blessed you. I hope it's encouraged you and challenged you. I know it certainly challenges me when I when I write about things like this because I'm preaching to myself as well. So be blessed today by this word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.